Hello again, I'm Tony Payne. Welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth. Great to be with you again. And this is a partner-only edition for those blessed among you who are members or partners or subscribers to The Painful Truth and help support the work that I'm doing here and further afield. And in this week's post, I want to follow up on a question from last time when we were discussing community and membership and all those questions. And while we were doing so, I mentioned the advantages of, in a sense, doing the obvious, that is, actually teaching our people about this subject, about the nature of membership and community. And I suggested that this is part of a general pattern that we're generally not that great these days at teaching our people about subjects, about topics. I said the following. I said, I'm often struck by how meagerly and haphazardly we teach about subjects or topics in our churches. We do the essential work of expounding the scriptures, and we also study Bible passages in our small groups. But the integrative work of applied theology, that is the task of drawing the Bible's teaching together on a subject and showing what it means for our lives, this is something we do less often and less effectively. Well, I promised some further thoughts on this subject, and here they are. I want to start by asking whether it's ever occurred to you, as it occurred to me recently, that when we preach an expository sermon, say on 1 Corinthians 1, 18-31, or some passage, that when we do this, we're doing something different from what the passage itself is doing. And what do I mean by that? I mean that what we're doing is starting with a biblical text, And we're understanding it and expounding it and then applying those truths to our lives and to the lives of our hearers. The content of what we're teaching or preaching is initiated by the scripture, by the authoritative scriptural text. And it flows from there to the minds and hearts and lives of ourselves and of our hearers. And this is exactly how it should be, I hear you say, and I entirely agree. But it is interesting when you think about it that this is not how 1 Corinthians 1 itself starts and proceeds. Its point of departure is not a text that Paul is expounding, but a subject that he's addressing. In whatever way we want to describe the issue or problem that Paul is tackling in 1 Corinthians, whether it's factionalism or divisiveness or arrogance or the problem of worldly wisdom or however you want to put it, Paul crafts this chapter as a response to that issue. He draws on a theology of the cross in order to teach the Corinthians about this subject, in order to teach them that their arrogance and factionalism is ridiculously wrong and out of place. I guess we'd say that Paul is practicing applied systematic theology. He's taking a particular theology, the theology of the cross, and he's applying it to their situation. When we preach the passage, we're practicing, I guess you'd call it, applied biblical theology. That is, we're taking the text as we are given it in Scripture, and we're expounding it and explaining it in its own terms and according to its literary context and its biblical context, and then we're applying what we find to our hearers. I guess you'd say the same is true for small group Bible studies, that open up 1 Corinthians 1 and seek to understand it together and apply it to one another's lives, we start with the Bible and let its message shape our discussion and our mutual encouragement in the group. And once again, just in case you're getting ever so slightly nervous, let me reassert that this is just as it should be. 
In fact, as I look back over, I guess it's nearly four decades now of Christian thinking and ministry, one of the features of the evangelical movement for which I'm very thankful has been the consistent and vigorous effort to do just this, to restore expository preaching and Bible study to the centre of our churches and ministries. Because God's word is the lamp to our feet. We should humbly and contritely tremble before his word, before his speech in scripture, and listen to him. And this is what the expository movement, if I can call it that, has sought to recover and emphasize and praise God for that. And praise God that in many places it has recovered and emphasized this vital approach to God's word. We want God's word to set the agenda. And this is especially so when we consider the alternative that we've been working to overcome, the kind of topical preaching or Bible study that starts with a biblical text and then springboards off into whatever topic it is that the preacher actually wants to talk about, or the therapeutic style of preaching that starts with the felt need in our lives and tries to solve it, or the moralistic or political preaching that's always taking its subject from the latest social issue or the latest moral outrage. Or even, I might say, the systematic theology kind of preaching that is preaching an important or favourite doctrine, but never actually pauses to listen carefully to and expound the text that's in front of us. And so topicality, if I can call that, is dangerous. It's certainly dangerous. It not only runs the risk of replacing God's agenda with our thoughts and our concerns and our agenda, but it frequently leads us to lift Bible verses and passages out of their context and apply them in ways that the authors, or the author, never really intended them to be applied. So we're right to be cautious about topicality, and I love the fact that we've put expository Bible teaching and reading at the very centre of our practice. But topicality is also unavoidable, and it's necessary and this is because the worthy Christian walk that we walk takes place in space and time. To state the obvious, daily discipleship constantly confronts us with circumstances and situations in which we are called to be godly and faithful. And as soon as we ask that all-important question, what does the Bible say about how I should be godly in this situation? We are asking the topical question. We're starting with an issue or a subject, and we're going back to the Bible to draw together and to integrate and to apply what it says. So you might say, I guess, that there are two ways in which God shapes and directs our thinking and our lives through the Scriptures. On the one hand, we start with the Bible, humbly reading it, preaching it, meditating on it, as it's given to us, having our minds and hearts transformed by the Holy Spirit as we do so. But we also turn to the Bible and seek its truth and wisdom regarding the particular issues or challenges or topics that we face each day. Both of these ways of God shaping and directing our hearts are important and they're complementary. The more we start with the Bible and have our minds shaped by the scripture, the better we'll understand our circumstances and the situations that we confront and the better that we'll know where to turn in the scriptures for guidance on particular topics. But conversely, the better we understand the key topics and subjects that the Bible addresses, 
and its entire teaching about these topics and subjects, the better we'll be equipped to confront situations as we find them, and the better we'll be equipped to read each individual part of the scripture with an awareness of the theological truth that undergirds it. I guess you could say that just as in theology we need both biblical theology that unfolds the Bible as we find it and systematic theology that makes judgments and talks about the truth of Scripture, so in church life we need both to teach and apply the Bible expositorily on its own terms and we need to teach and apply the theology of the Bible to the issues and challenges of our lives and our churches. Which brings me back, I guess, to the question with which we started. Where in our church life today do we teach about topics or subjects? And I'm referring not just to the topics of theology, like the person and work of Christ, or the content of the gospel itself, or the doctrine of Scripture, or the Holy Spirit, and so on. I'm also talking about the various topics or subjects of Christian living and ministry, the nature of faith, the nature of love and hope and thanksgiving and generosity and purity and holiness and sacrifice and all the rest. Where do we teach our people what membership and community mean or what the Bible itself is and why it's important and how to read it? or what evangelism really is, and how we can personally be involved in it, and so on and so forth. Now, historically, evangelical churches, as far as I can see, have done this in various ways and at different levels. We preach the occasional topical sermon series. Most churches do that. We run conferences or weekends away that address various topics. And we might run one-off seminars at different times on different topics. However, I think it's fair to say that in my observation, most churches in my part of the world have very few intentional ministry structures or opportunities within which to do applied theology with our people of the kind that we're talking about. This struck me during my recent trip to the US because many churches in the States do have a structure within which they regularly do this kind of topical theological teaching. It's the adult Sunday school. It's not something that we have commonly in Australia at all, but it's really quite common in many U.S. churches. In many U.S. evangelical churches, Sunday morning consists of an hour of Sunday school, both for adults and children, followed by Sunday service. And sometimes the kids come into the service as well, or sometimes they continue on in Sunday school. And the adult Sunday school is the place where topical or doctrinal teaching happens in the church that might be on a doctrinal subject like understanding death and the afterlife or something like that or it might be on subjects of christian living and ministry like biblical parenting or one-to-one ministry or how to share your faith now there's a long history to adult sunday schools in the u.s that we by and large don't share here in australia and i know that they have their issues that it's not all plain sailing by any means and i have no idea how we could introduce that kind of structure into the churches here in my part of the world uh, easily or practically. But I have to say I do remain a little bit jealous of what that structure, that ministry trellis, allows many American churches to do in a very uncomplicated way, to regularly do applied theology with their people on a whole range of important subjects. Now, as I think about my own history in all of this, I realise that what I'm talking about overlaps a great deal with what 
we have often called in our circles training. That is, starting with a particular subject of Christian living or ministry, like evangelism or one-to-one encouragement or reading the Bible, and then working through what the Bible itself says about this subject, and then encouraging and helping each other to put that truth into practice in our lives. It's a variety of the kind of applied theology that we're talking about. And I guess, as I think about it, many of the training programs and resources that I've developed over the years with Matthias Media have really been directed to this area to help churches teach and train people about key subjects of Christian living and ministry to do applied theology, if you like, in the context of church life. But looking back, I think it's been a complicated history and there's two things that come to mind. It's certainly clear, first of all, that many churches have found it tricky to fit this kind of applied theology, this kind of teaching and training, into their busy programs. Because church life, parish life, is complicated and people are busy and pushed. Uh, There's so little time and so few resources. There's less disposable time and space than, for example, in a young adult ministry or a university ministry to fit this kind of thing in. There's no time for training, has been a refrain that I've heard many times. And secondly, where churches have made space for this kind of teaching and training, it often hasn't really worked as well as they'd hoped. It hasn't been integrated into the overall ministry trellises and structures of the church and often hasn't produced the kind of fruit that was hoped for. And the classic example here would be to train people in a training course in evangelism, like Two Ways to Live or like any other training course, but not to harness the understanding and energy and confidence that comes out of those programs into a coherent, effective, church-wide structure that helps people actually evangelise together, an evangelistic engine, as some churches call it. Now, I'm dealing in very broad generalisations at this point, but whatever the history and whatever the reasons, I think the generalisation with which I started this episode is certainly true for many evangelical churches today, certainly in my part of the world, that in the midst of all that we do, many of us lack contexts or spaces or opportunities within which to effectively teach and train our people in the vital subjects of Christian thought and living and ministry, such as the subject of membership and community that kicked this whole discussion off. So what's the answer, practically speaking? Well, I'm very keen for your ideas. I certainly don't think there are simple answers, but we do need to find some way forward. I guess we could rethink our Sundays to incorporate something that approximated what the adult Sunday school achieves, but that would be a fairly major logistical and cultural change for many of us. Perhaps it's impractical. Or possibly we could start a regular or occasional structure or program that mimicked what adult Sunday school achieves, but in a different way or at a different time. We could institute a a school of Christian thought and living or something like that. This could be regular, it could be something we do every week, or something we do once or twice a year in a burst for eight weeks at a time. This too would have its challenges. The thought of starting and maintaining an additional ministry structure like this will make many pastors think twice. But having thought twice and considered how important the task is, We still might prioritise this kind of teaching training structure over some other things that we currently do. 
Perhaps the most obvious solution would be to utilise the most suitable existing ministry trellis or structure that we have, a network of small groups. We could devote a certain number of weeks each year, say one school term or eight to ten weeks, to work through topics in small groups rather than work through passages as we do for the rest of the time. This is also not without its challenges. And in particular, we don't want to load small group leaders with teaching and training expectations and responsibilities that they aren't equipped for. However, if we did manage to find some good quality teaching frameworks or resources that were simple and straightforward enough for group leaders to use easily, there's no reason that this kind of structure couldn't work very effectively for teaching people about subjects. And I know a number of churches who do this very effectively. Now, I can't imagine where you'd find those kind of good quality, simple, easy to use resources. Maybe we could start a publishing ministry of some kind, perhaps, to produce them? I don't know. Now, if this post has wound its way towards being a kind of minor apologia or advertisement for the role of Matthias Media in resourcing this kind of applied theology, I apologise. I didn't start out with that in mind. Nor is it the most important point. The important point, I think, is this, that whatever the structures and whatever resources we may use, there is a real need here and, in many churches, a real gap. We're quite right to think about teaching new members what membership means, for example, and to come up with some regular framework for doing that. But the same is true for teaching our existing members what membership means and what mutual love and service means and what evangelism means and what biblical sexuality means and so much more. There are teachings and doctrines that we need to set before the brothers, as Paul puts it in 1 Timothy 4. How are we going to do that? Well, I do really look forward to your ideas and responses to this episode. It's something we need to think about and work on together. As I look back over the teaching and training resources, the applied theology resources, I guess, that I've been involved in over the last couple of decades, either as a writer or as an editor slash publisher, I can see a definite trend towards framing these resources in a way that's user-friendly and really easy to use in an existing ministry context, like a small group context. In fact, recently I've been experimenting with a format that Matthias Media is calling Learn Together, a Learn Together format, which is a package that provides everything in the one kind of package, a, a mix of Bible study and discussion and exercises and text and video that kind of runs itself almost in a small group context. Uh, in other words, that's easier in most respects than actually leading a regular weekly inductive small group study on a passage. The new Learn the Gospel resource, the new first part of the Two Ways to Live training resources, is out soon in this format. And it will be a really interesting case study. I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes and whether it's useful, as we think it will be, in being able to teach people about this most important subject, that is, the gospel itself, in a way that can fit into the regular, normal ministry kind of structures that we have in churches. If we can't find a way to do something like this, whether Learn the Gospel itself ends up being successful or not, if we can't find a way to teach our people the gospel, for example, surely the most basic central subject or topic we'd want Christians to master, then something has gone wrong somewhere, it seems to me. But we will see. 
Anyway, thanks once again for being with me again here on The Painful Truth this week. Send in your feedback to tonyjpain at me.com or go over to the website, that's thepainfultruth.online, and you can leave a comment there as well. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now. Thank you.